Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard. We got a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, our dear sister, Senator Nina Turner, contributor and host of Unbossed. Looking forward to this. Uh, I think it's October 17th. Am I right, Senator? You are right, Doc. I'm yes. looking forward to it. We need looking people to, to go it. ahead and subscribe, sign up. Make sure that happens. We'll continue to remind everyone during the commercial, after commercial breaks, uh, to subscribe to Unbossed. We got that information coming. Also in the bullpen today, I have Miss uh, uh, Miss Decoupe, who's a candidate running to represent District 62 in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you remember, I highlighted this progressive candidate because she was able to make someone flee a debate, literally run away. Okay. Top story of the day, I got an update. Christian school teacher gave a student, underage student, alcohol at the prom, decided to twerk on the young man, and then texted him that she would sneak him into her home when her husband left. Put up a mugshot. All right. This lady, Julie Hoover, uh, Julie Hoover, a former teacher at a private Christian school, previously accused of sexting with a student, was arrested again, again, on Tuesday on more charges. Julie Hoover, 39 years of age, now faces a new misdemeanor charge of contributing to the delinquency of a minor and a second felony charge of an authority figure soliciting or engaging in lewd conduct with a student. Now, according to the report, ironically, while she was uh, drinking and gyrating on this student, other teachers had to literally come and stop this twerking action. But there's another problem. She already had been accused of being inappropriate with a student before and was still given this opportunity to serve young kids. She was at the prom as a chaperone. The prom, this Christian prom, allowed for the adults to drink alcohol in the back. So when they finished drinking their adult beverages, obviously this teacher decided to bring it to her favorite student. Now, the new charges stem from the school's prom on April 8th, giving you background here. A student told investigators that Ms. Hoover was pressuring him to drink at the event, even forced the straw from her cup into his mouth. This was done in front of uh, witnesses. An administrator told the investigators staff had the alcohol in the back room and uh, in the back room to drink after the event when students left. That's the story that the other adults came up with. The student also said when he was on or near the dance floor, Ms. Hoover, the school teacher, the Christian school teacher, decided to start twerking on him, making him uncomfortable. At least two other people, witnesses, corroborated the story and told investigators they got in between Hoover and the student several times, tried to get the teacher to stop. Hoover was first arrested in June after deputies said she was sexting 
with an 18 year old senior at the school. Now, some of you will say, well, the person is 18. Is that individual not technically an adult? Yes, an adult, but still illegal. Here's why. States like Florida, Georgia, and others, they have passed laws that create uh, an issue. It is illegal, even if the student is technically an adult. If you have that imbalance in the relationship, you have a student, you have a teacher, it is against the law in order to engage in a sexual relationship. Well, she decided to violate the law. Records show that the mother, the mother of the student contacted the sheriff's office on June 2nd after finding these inappropriate and explicit text messages between the teen and Ms. Hoover. The mother also told deputies Ms. Hoover was arranging for the student to sneak into her home while her husband was at work, according to court documents. Now remember, she already has a history of being inappropriate with students. An official with the school who said, don't identify them, issued a statement in response to Hoover's latest arrest, saying, and I quote, Mrs. Hoover is a former teacher with Point of Grace Christian. We will not provide further information on her employment or departure from our school. The Taylor County Sheriff's Office informed us of the allegations against Mrs. Hoover, and we have cooperated with the investigation. Out of respect for the judicial process, we will not comment any further at this time, said the statement. Let me say this, out of respect for the students that you obviously did not give a damn about by allowing this individual who already had a problematic past, out of respect for those students, we need to know more. We need to know why this individual was allowed to remain employed, why this person had the opportunity to make a victim um, out of those children again, and what was the protocol that led to her employment in the first place? You see, I have questions, but I will tell you what happened. I will tell you exactly what happened. Two things, white Jesus and white privilege. Those are the two things that happened, okay? She went to the school and said, woe is me, I need a job. It was all a misunderstanding. No need to do a background check. I'm a Christian and obviously white. She got the job. Who in the hell can remain employed in an educational system with that kind of past except in the context of Christianity? You have to think about this. All right. Uh, we're going to continue to follow this story. Obviously, I believe that there are more victims here. Typically, it's not just one when it comes to these types of educators. All right, Senator, thoughts on this? Yeah, Doc, it's obvious that this person, Ms. Hoover, has a problem. And uh, you talk about the fox garden, the hen house. What in the unholy hell, as you laid out, was she even employed in the first place? She has a pattern. This is not one time, yeah. it is a pattern. And she should never, ever teach again. And I do agree with you, Doc, that this school needs to come harder than what they come in. They need to bring it to the hole and say that they are going to, that they're outraged by it, that they're disappointed by it, and that they're going to do everything in their power to ensure that nothing like this ever, ever happens again. And then two other points. Why would the adults have a room with alcoholic beverages in the back when they're supposed to be? This wasn't communion. This wasn't the Jesus juice. That's what right. the hell were they doing tipping back in there? And then lastly, I'm really glad that this young man spoke up. A lot of times 
uh, Dr. Richie, you know, it is very hard for men in this oversex society to speak up because people overlay onto men. And, and that includes even younger men that somehow they like it, even when it's inappropriate. And then lastly, a lot of times female teachers get away with this kind of stuff. And nobody should get away with it, whether they're female or male, when it comes to to jeopardizing and being inappropriate with students. So good on this young man and his family. Very well said. All right. We have something. This may actually be criminal footage from Donald Trump's home. Let me run the video, then give you the background. Here it is. Okay, <clears throat> this video has now sparked significant outrage. It has called for a new search warrant of Trump properties for classified materials, but investigators may not have enough evidence to actually get a warrant, okay? So this was really interesting. Uh, the video circulated over the weekend and raised suspicions. Uh, NBC News correspondent uh, told Morning Joe, that's uh, that what's uh, seen in the video is not enough for an actual warrant. Here it is. Obviously, we, we don't know the, the inner workings of this investigation, but um, what's required is more than just a theory that some evidence might be at a place. They need actual hard evidence. And in the case of this Mar-a-Lago search, they had they had witnesses who were telling them that not only was there classified information there, but that they were misled, that they were lied to essentially by the Trump side. Um, and they and that's all blacked out in the affidavit. But we're aware that it exists. And they use that to go to a judge and say, Judge, we need to do a search absent that. Like, for example, there's a there's a social media theory going around. There's some there's some video of Trump aides loading boxes onto a private jet heading for Bedminster. And I have to say, I mean, I, when I first saw that on Twitter the, over the weekend, I thought, oh, another conspiracy theory. The more you look at it, the more it's pretty disturbing. I mean, these banker boxes are the same kinds of boxes that the classified documents were found in. But absent any other kinds of evidence, they, they would need witnesses telling them, yes, there were classified documents in those boxes and they were taken to Bedminster. They're not just going to do it uh, based on a video or on a theory. Yeah, so let me say this. Um, Ken is somewhat right, and I have a lot of respect for Ken, but here's where I draw a distinction. Uh, the court <clears throat> does not have what's called um, a statutory requirement for issuing a warrant. This, the federal court uses what's called totality of circumstances. There was a time when the court had to meet four different elements in order to sign a warrant. That was a federal rule. They suspended that rule with a historic Supreme Court decision where that decision created what's called totality of circumstances, which allowed for anonymous tips, videos, et cetera, to be used and a judge could make a determination based on the, once again, totality of circumstances, all right? So let me give you a little more background to this. The January 6th committee 
has now said they got more information. They have probably more witnesses as well. Lawmakers are considering whether to seek Donald Trump's testimony. Now, I want you to hear this. Whether to seek Donald Trump's testimony and still hoping to negotiate an interview with Mike Pence, and they still must decide what to do with Republican lawmakers who have defied their subpoenas as the next round of public hearings are about to be announced. Okay, see, I already got a problem. You're deciding what to do with Republican lawmakers that told you to kiss their ass. You, you, you're trying to figure out. But what, what, what is our next step? The committee has the authority to issue subpoenas, which means by constitutional ruling, if you have the authority to issue a subpoena, the United States Supreme Court says by constitutional dynamics, if the body has the authority to issue subpoenas, the body also has the authority to enforce them. Meaning the January 6th committee could actually have Republican lawmakers arrested. I know that just violates the conscience of all of the institutional powers and the protection that they would like to see these people of influence have. We'll keep playing games because if Republicans get in power, they're going to lock up some Democrats. If they ever get back in power again, there are some Democrats who are going to go to jail. Many of them, many of them are going to go to jail, go to jail and should not go to jail. All right. There's more. The Justice Department investigation of Trump's possession of top secret materials at Mar-a-Lago has complicated matters. And a federal grand jury has accelerated its investigation into the former president's efforts to overturn the election, which a Georgia special grand jury is also probing. I'm going to get into that in a second. So the committee is dealing with a few things. Number one, they are trying to negotiate with Mike Pence. Another problem, just send him a subpoena. Why are you negotiating? Send him a subpoena. Mike Pence is a regular person. He has no presidential powers. He has no vice presidential powers, doesn't exist. He's a former VP. He barely has a security detail. Okay. Send him a subpoena. They're not willing to do that. And you really think Trump is going to be compelled by you to give testimony? Come on now. What kind of games are we playing here? You have the authority to give a subpoena. That's a mandate. Why are you giving a request? There's more. <clears throat> Those investigations have also put pressure, pressure on the select committee to share its transcripts of witness interviews. And panel uh, chairman Thompson has indicated that they will release most, if not all of those publicly, although it's not clear <clears throat> when that would happen. The committee has not yet agreed uh, when to release its comprehensive final report. Um, one of the representatives, Raskin, said that uh, that the panel planned at least two more blockbuster hearings, including one this month. But all of his work <clears throat> will soon conclude as staffers leave their jobs as part of the normal transition that accompanies the midterm election. Senator, you have a lot of experience dealing with these particular political processes. What say you to this? Yeah, they definitely need to duck, make some examples of their colleagues that sitting right there side by side with them in the Congress. I mean, they were involved in a coup. Uh, yeah. January the 6th wasn't a, a, a ring around the rosies. It was, they were trying to overthrow the government because they didn't like the outcome of the election Democrats, when they have the power, they like to play a little kumbaya too much for me. 
And I agree that Republicans are not going to play if they get the power back. So they need to deal with all of this, but particularly their colleagues that they letting off the hook. It makes no sense to me. Boot them off those committees. As you said, send them a subpoena. And in the words of Donald Trump, lock them up. You know, That's now right. we're going to talk about some lockup. Let's turn lockup yeah. around and lock their behinds up. That's right. Okay. There's a man, a former Marine. He disarms an individual. Doesn't kill them like the police would have. Disarms a person. Police come. They lock up the veteran. Okay. He's the good guy here. Let's put his picture up for a mass. Yeah, you guessed correctly. Lloyd Muldrow. All right. Mr. Muldrow is a good person. He did the right thing. Disarm somebody without the need to kill them. Let me give you the background on this miscarriage of justice. According to the Washington Times, 57-year-old Lloyd Muldrow was meeting with friends at the Tequila Sunset Bar on July 4th when a fight broke out. Okay, people fight. It's a bar. Patrons Wesley Henderson and Marshall Cullens got into a fight. Henderson reportedly became upset when an ex-girlfriend began dancing with Cullens. So that is the genesis of the fight. According to the ex-Marine, the former Marine, Mr. Muldrow, Henderson brandished a firearm, took out a gun, and said, and I quote, I kill everyone. Well, obviously, everybody got scared, except for this ex-Marine. Henderson reportedly hit Collins several times with the gun. Collins was bleeding profusely. Muldrow, who served in the Marine Corps Security Force Regiment, reacted by knocking Henderson to the ground and holding him down until the police arrived. When I got there, I saw him, Cullens, bleeding profusely from his head. It looked like he had a gunshot wound to his forehead, said the former Marine. I have taught Marines hand-to-hand combat for many years, added Muldrow. I have disarmed several enemies, he goes on to say as well as IEDs, which are improvised explosive devices, my natural reaction was to do as I was trained for my country. The police arrived and did not find Henderson's weapon, despite the witnesses confirming the man had brandished a gun, that he had a weapon. However, the former Marine, Mr. Muldrow, was armed with a registered 22 caliber Beretta M9. He had it in his holster, on his hip. While several police officers reportedly thanked him for stopping the altercation, a supervisor came. So keep in mind, nobody has arrested Mr. Muldrow. They thanked him. We appreciate what you did here. You probably saved lives. Thank you, sir. We appreciate your service to the country and to the citizens today. Then a supervisor comes. Supervisor comes, he decided to arrest Mr. Muldrow. He ordered his officers to lock him up and charge him with a weapons violation and aggravated assault. Do you hear me? A weapons violation and aggravated assault. He assaulted nobody. Every witness said, no, this man saved our lives. Why are you arresting him? All right, at question is this. The cops could not find the firearm. Let me go ahead and help everybody peep game because obviously the police don't know what happened. 
there was a gun. He brandished the gun, and I believe he said exactly what all the witnesses say he said. When the fight broke out and Mr. Maldro was able to disarm the man, that man had somebody in the restaurant that had his back, and he hid the gun for him. That's all that happened. It's nothing more. Every witness said they saw the gun. They are not connected to Mr. Maldro. They do not know the former Marine. They have no reason to lie to, uh, lie to the police for him. Maldro's attorney, Michael Stark, noted that guns disappear after an altercation in Baltimore. That's a common occurrence. You hear police say it's a pretty common occurrence in Baltimore that by the time they get there, the gun has disappeared. And that's what happened in this case, Stark said. It is legal. It is legal, completely legal, to carry a concealed weapon in Maryland. But the state does not recognize permits issued in other states. So this ex-Marine, this former Marine, faces a $1,000 fine and could serve up to one year in prison for being a good Samaritan. Mr. Mardro works as a security specialist and holds a concealed weapons permit in Virginia, which he could lose if convicted. He said, and I quote, I'm not going to settle with probation or anything like that. I don't think it's fair, he said. And I don't think it's fair what they're doing to you either, brother. Um, all he's asking them to do is treat him like a white man who had a gun. That's all he's asking. All right, Senator, thoughts here. The supervisor went the opposite direction of what they were supposed to do when they got on the scene. And Mr. Muldrow certainly does not deserve this at all. And I hope that he does receive justice and he should be thanked for diffusing a situation that could have been really ugly at that bar. When you mix alcohol with guns, it is not a good situation. So just thank Mr. Muldrow for what he did. And that supervisor, I'm, I'm shaking my head, Doc. The opposite yeah. direction. You usually supervisors come on the scene and get everything where they're supposed That's right. to. Let me not say usually. That, that exactly. Uh, the they're, they're supposed yeah. to be the reasonable, the more reasonable ones on That's the scene, right. typically, right? Uh, we're going to continue to follow this story, but what we see is an unequal application of law. That's what we're saying. I guarantee you, if this would have been another individual, his story would have been believed. He corroborated what the witnesses said. And they were going to let the fact that he had a gun that was registered in another state slide. They may have sent him a ticket in the mail and that would have been it. All right. We got more on the other side is indisputable. Stick and stay. Let me read some of these comments. Tall glass of shut up. Juice says I love Nita Turner so much. I subscribed to her show right after it announced. I think I was the third subby. Well, look at you. We call that a founding member of the program. All right. We're so excited about this new show. Uh, Lauren Dobson, I believe this is a video for May. That's correct. That's correct. Yep. And we just corrected that. Thank you. Travel Nurse Dragon, apparently the good guy with a gun needs to be a white good man with a gun. The Bard, um, who would Jesus twerk? <laughs> That's bad, man. Sean E., welcome to Indisputable. Uh, all right. So, Rosa Ball. 14, I know this is off topic, but Dr. Richie's shirt is great. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I didn't know how this would come across on the television screen, but I'm glad it's working for you. All right, it's kind of loud under here. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're, you're I feel free. 
Back off! I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. No way, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, I have more video. Do not try this at home. This is two individuals. You have two people in pursuit of a Karen in the wild. This is a very dangerous situation. Okay, I do not encourage anyone to ever engage a Karen in this way. There's more video, here it is. Hey, go that way, go. go straight? Yeah. All right, so these individuals think it's fun and games up until now. I got into this, bro. I got into this. I had to help us find this lady. She needs to pay me for my damages, bro. She's stuck again. Oh, or she is. is. She's not, not done. Oh, look at her. Look at her. She's not done. Yo, why? Damn, I don't trust this, bro. I go this way. This. Should I go that way? Yeah. <laughs> she's going to follow us, bro. But she's going to have to do a U and all that. Do a U. We're going to be Adios. Best decision they made all day. Now, what happened here? Okay, there's an argument. She throws something at their vehicle. She then tries to destroy their property. And they followed, hopefully, to identify who this particular Karen was. Let's put a picture up for a mass here. If anybody has any information, leading to the identification of this particular Karen who committed that offense we saw, you may want to do an intervention. It is dangerous out here carrying it. All right, Senator, thoughts on this insanity you just saw? Karens are dangerous. That's number one, two, three, four, and five. <laughs> right. Secondly, the, or I guess number six, since I went to five, <laughs> you know, these were young people. Yeah. You know, so they were young and just kind of, I agree with you, they probably were trying to track her down just to get some information, but it could have turned worse than, than what it was. So I agree. Please don't try this. Don't follow these folks. It could definitely uh, turn into something uh, more than what it was at that moment. But she definitely needs to be arrested. 
Yeah, for sure. That was criminal. You that need was anger management. Criminal. Yeah, very much criminal. And some yeah. anger management classes. Yeah, they're immune to anger management, Senator. Completely immune to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, very sad story, uh, but a semblance of justice. An Indiana cop has now pleaded guilty to beating a handcuffed man. Let me take you to the video. Here it is. Let's put up these cowards, deal with them properly. So they believe it makes them a man's man to brutally attack someone who is handcuffed. You saw multiple officers there. The two that I'm going to highlight are the two that did the physical combat, the physical attack, the criminal action. But there are others who just watched and provided cover, protection even. So let's put the pictures back up again. Uh, the plea agreement calls for Corey Newland, who's on the left, to be sentenced to 15 months in prison for his role in the incident. Newland and fellow officer Joshua Titus, who's on the right, were both caught on security footage beating a handcuffed man. Titus, the one on the right, has pleaded not guilty and is scheduled to go to trial later this month. Both officers were placed on leave in late 2018, and Titus is still on unpaid leave with the department. Now understand, he is still technically employed with the department. The other cop resigned on the day he actually did his plea. Isn't that something? There's more. Uh, this is a screenshot. The screenshot shows Newland highlighted in yellow and Titus punching Mario Guerrero Ledesma while the man was handcuffed to a chair in a detention center, a detention area at the police station. He was no threat. OK, and let's put their, their pictures up again. Uh, and in order for these two individuals to feel like they're strong, and have authority and are powerful. They have to beat up people who cannot defend themselves. You already have all the power, Mr. Officer. The man is in jail. The man is handcuffed. You got on the uniform, you're getting paid. He has a court case coming up. You have all the power. He's in your territory. He's in your home. He's, in, he's at your job. He's incarcerated. You got all the power. But that's not enough for you, is it? You having all the power in this situation is not enough. 
You have to literally beat a handcuffed man to make yourself feel more powerful. Sad. Ledesma had initially been arrested on suspicion of domestic battery, which he later pleaded guilty to. Newland will now also pay a yet-to-be-determined amount to the victim here for restitution. There's more. His plea came less than a month before the case was set to go to trial. He said, and I quote, I knew at the time of the assault that my use of force on ML was unjustified and unlawful under the circumstances, Newland said in his plea agreement. Jessica McBriar, a spokesperson for the Elkhart Police Department, said Newland resigned from the force on August 30th. The same day, same day, U.S. Magistrate Judge Joshua Kohler accepted his guilty plea. He was technically employed up until the plea. This happened what year? 2018. It happened in 2018. The department has no further comment on any plea. He entered in federal court, McBriar said, in an email to the Tribune. Wait a minute, uh, police spokesperson. If, uh, let's say, Pyru Blood would have jumped and been that savage, would have jumped on a man that was defenseless like that, you would be the same person holding a press conference saying we need to make so we need to make examples out of these thugs. That's what you would have done. So since you won't do it, let me do it. Put up the picture again. We need to make examples out of these thugs. There it is. That's what you should have said, because that's exactly who these cops are. The Tribune obtained the video of the January 2018 incident in November 2018 as part of the ongoing investigation with ProPublica into practices within the Elkhart Police Department and the Elkhart County Prosecutor's Office that led to wrongful convictions. The investigation also revealed 28 of the police department's 34 highest ranking officers had significant disciplinary records, uh, The uh, had real disciplinary records five months after the incident the then police chief, let's put his picture up. His name is Ed. The police chief, Ed Wynn Bigler, said both Newland and Titus uh, were reprimanded, but he did not suspend nor did he demote any of them for their criminal actions. Speaking in 2018 to the city's police oversight commission, the chief said the two, and I quote, just went a little overboard. That's what he said to the commission in subduing someone in custody. But he did not mention the fact that the pair had punched a handcuffed suspect. He needs to be arrested himself. The Tribune obtained the video of the beating after that meeting. And the discrepancy between the video and the chief's description of the incident was cited by the city in its decision to suspend the chief. He later resigned. Newland and Titus were originally charged with misdemeanor battery in Elkhart County in November 2018. That case was put aside when the pair were indicted on federal civil rights charges in March of 2019. This story is going to continue to develop because the other cop, Titus, is saying take him to trial. All right, good. Hopefully they give him years rather than what the other cop got, which was only 15 months. Okay, my dear sister, what are your thoughts here? Well, good on the city for taking action against the chief. 
by the chief saying a little overboard, that shows you why these police officers felt very comfortable in beating this man. There's a culture of violence, Doc. And furthermore, I know you're highlighting the two men that were involved in this cowardly act, but all of those other officers that were in and around that area, they need to be dealt with as well. You often talk about culture. This shows very clearly that in far too many police departments, this is the culture, that you could just beat somebody at will and have no consequence. It is the same culture of violence that they claim they're trying to rectify on the streets. They got it right there in their own in their own house. Yep, that's right. Okay, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. Welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me read just a couple of comments quickly. Kind of press for time. Um, early bird forty two. Thank you for that early bird. Welcome back, Nina. Congrats on the new show. I also subscribed the second I heard about it. Not sure what number I was, but I'm excited. Love you too, Doc. Well, we love you back. Thank you so much for doing that. Making sure everyone knows, subscribe. Go to that YouTube channel. Go to Unboss. We're going to make sure that happens. Uh, Everyone listening, we only got weeks until the start of Unboss with Nina Turner. Nina will expose how the elites in government, media, and other sectors game you, and they game the system, and she will show us how to fight back. Make sure you subscribe to Unboss with Nina Turner and get ready to tune in daily, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, 1 p.m. Pacific time, October 17th. Subscribe right now. YouTube.com forward slash unbossed TYT. All right. There's a guy. He said, you know, I joined the U.S. military so that I can kill black people more proficiently. That's what he said. Let's put up a picture of Fort Bragg here. Give you the background to this insanity. All right. A U.S. Army soldier current U.S. Army soldier under investigation after he wrote on Instagram that he joined the military for combat experience, so I'm more proficient in killing black people. At Fort Bragg, Killian Ryan had numerous IG accounts that were in contact with others associated with racially motivated extremism. Court records say regarding his case where he's accused of providing false information on a security clearance form to serve at Fort Bragg. Ryan was also charged with driving under the influence at Fort Bragg in July. Ryan used an email that contained the name NotZS1488. This is one of those racist white codes that you need to be aware of in case you see it somewhere. According to the Anti-Defamation League, 1488, the number, is a combination of numeric symbols that are popular among white supremacists. In a statement, the army said it does not tolerate racism, extremism, or hatred in our ranks. Military criminal defense lawyer Philip Stackhouse said prosecuting someone for providing false information on a security clearance form is not routine in his experience. Maybe they're going to make an example of him, Stackhouse said. Maybe it's to apply pressure on him to cooperate and some other investigation. Or, as I would say, maybe they're trying to find a way to get his racist ass up out of the U.S. military. Okay? All right. Efforts by white supremacists to infiltrate the military, well-documented. The Pentagon report said the U.S. military, uh, the U.S. military personnel and veterans are highly prized recruits for supremacist groups and leaders of those groups try to join the military themselves 
and get those already in their groups to enlist. Their goal is to obtain weapons and skills to try to borrow the military's bravado and cachet, the authors suggested. Examples of white supremacy working in the armed forces are many. Hundreds of elected officials, hundreds of elected officials, military members, and law enforcement officers appear on the membership list of the far-right group Oath Keepers Militia. The ADL identified 373 people named on the Oath Keepers membership list who are currently serving in law enforcement agencies across the U.S., including at least 10 police chiefs and 11 elected sheriffs. The group also identified 117 current serving, currently serving in the military, on top of 11 people serving in the reserves and another 31 who are actual military contractors or hold civilian positions. Let's go to the politicians and the first responders. They were on the list as well. It said the list included 86, 86 active firefighters, including several fire chiefs, 19 active paramedics, 31 active emergency technicians appearing on the membership list. The ADL identified 81 people who were holding or running for public office across the country as of August 8th. These individuals ran the gamut from local office, mayors, town council members, school board members to state representatives and senators, according to the report. The Oath Keepers, by way of their own propaganda, they are anti-government. They are anti-government based on the wording of their own website. So why do you think they are recruiting, actively recruiting and obtaining members of the government to be part of their anti-government white supremacist movement? Because at the core of their movement, it is actually not anti-government, it is different government. They want to implement their own government. They're not anti-governing, they're not anti-government, they are anti-democracy, they are anti-constitution, they are anti-rule of law, and they are anti-you and anti-me. All right, Senator, thoughts here. Yeah, very horrifying, Doctor. And, and the list of the Oath Keepers, I mean, I'm surprised anybody's surprised this 21st century version of the KKK, the White Citizens Council, oftentimes there were politicians, member of the, members of the fire department, members of police departments who were members of the KKK. So we should not be surprised. This is just history repeating itself. Yeah. We must be concerned and we must absolutely do something about this. But this is nothing new in the United States of America. It's the same old stuff, just the 21st century version. That's right. And once again, transparency, light, this provides a great disinfectant for corruption. Uh, and that's exactly what you're seeing here. Okay. A man, a road rage incident, killed a black woman. He now has a $1.5 million bond. Let's put up his picture for a mask here. So this is an Oklahoma man. He's in a county prison on seven-figure bond, on a seven-figure bond, bond after being charged with fatally shooting a black woman in what's being described as a road rage incident. This happened on Wednesday. So on Wednesday, excuse me, September 7th, Julian Zavaleta, then a 21-year-old, was charged with first-degree murder and use of a vehicle 
in the and in the discharge of a weapon in the shooting of a black woman on Friday, August 19th, while she was parked at an auto zone in Tulsa. Okay, let's put up the picture of the victim. This is Miss Chantel Jones. Miss Jones was 25 years of age, young, was the victim around 2:20 p.m. Witnesses say they saw her get out of her vehicle moments before Zavaletta driving his gray car, came up and shot her from his car, striking her in the abdomen. Ms. Jones was rushed to a hospital. She died from her injuries at the hospital. Charging documents, um, they state that the now 22-year-old fled the scene. Where? He fled the scene after he shot the woman, but contacted police a half hour later to confess that he did it. Tulsa Police Homicide Sergeant Brandon Watkins asserts Jones may have been the victim of road rage after she cut off this individual as she was entering the auto parts parking lot. The man was picked up by cops where he was surrounded by his family members at the family meal business south of the crime scene. There he was arrested. His gun was taken by the police. His car was towed. Officers later booked him into the Tulsa County Jail where he remains in lieu of a $1.5 million bond. Prosecutors charged him with the two counts on Wednesday, August 24th, five days after the shooting and the day of his 22nd birthday. Murder in the first degree in Oklahoma holds a hefty penalty that is one of the harshest in the nation. If convicted, he will face life in prison. 45 years in the state of Oklahoma with eligibility for parole after serving 85% of the sentence. A life sentence without the possibility of parole or even death referred to as a capital murder, according to attorney Matt Swain, a criminal defense attorney in the state. Let's put up this next picture. Have to remember, people are always connected to an ecosystem of family and community. Sierra Diaz, Jones' girlfriend, said Jones is originally from New York, came to Tulsa to get away from the big city and to get away from crime. She loved the family feel in Tulsa and spent all of her time with her girlfriend's son, he loves her. He's still asking for her girlfriend's son. He's still asking for her like, mommy, are you going, are you going with Miss Chantel? Diaz said she saw Jones just before Jones was shot and killed. I literally watched her walk out the door and never come back, Diaz said. Diaz said Jones was a special person and an angel on the earth. She was a genuine person. She will give you the shoes off her feet. I've seen her give shoes to somebody before, she said. All right. Fair sad. Um, Senator, thoughts on this? Yeah, very sad. Uh, condolences to the Jones family. And to have that young man have so much rage at that age and people believing that a gun can solve your problems. This is just another example of a gun craze society that we live in in the United States of America linked to toxic ma male masculine masculinity. And and, I, you know, they saying that she cut him off. We don't know if she cut him off or not, regardless of whether she did or she didn't. He had no right to right. take his gun out and to kill her. And as you just laid out, Doc, to leave many people grieving her death. This is tragic and it is horrifying it could have been any one of us or anybody that we love as well. You have a gun culture in America that teaches guns solve problems. 
You have a devaluing of life in America promoted by the most mainstream politicians you can imagine. And you have the context of racism, bigotry, sexism, all at one time. And it creates moments like this. Very sad. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. Once again, another individual ripped to shreds by a police canine. Let me take you to the video. Here it is. Do me a favor. Did you act nervous? Hop out for me. Will you hop out? Just face the vehicle for me, all right? I'm making nervous, bro. You can. Nope. Stop. 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 Hey. Show me your hands, bro. Show me your hands. Show me your hands. Come out to me. Come out to me. Dog's not coming off to you. Come out to me. Come out to me. He got me, bro. I'm done. I'm done. Come out to me. Get your dog, bro. Put your hands behind you. Dogs, animals should not be used to attack human beings, period. Let's put up the picture or the pictures of Mr. Terrell Bradley. This was July 10th when Terrell Bradley, the black motorist, was found by the canine in bushes outside of an apartment complex building. An investigation into the conduct of the Gainesville Department's K-9 unit, unit has determined that officers did not violate any policy when arresting Bradley. Now, I want to say this because a wise man once told me, you got to be very careful here. Don't think just because something may be deemed legal that it is deemed right. Let's put this picture up again. Okay. Despite the man sustaining permanent injuries, including the loss of his entire eye, both an internal investigation and an independent firm assessed the use of force was not inappropriate. On September 8th, Gainesville Police Chief Lonnie Scott announced the findings by his department's internal affairs and the outside consulting firm and stated his own belief that his officers did not violate the civil rights of Mr. Bradley. Okay, put up the picture of the chief. That's the chief, that's Lonnie Scott. The consulting firm even stated the department is actually more restrictive than other K-9 units in the country and above industry standards. But one critique was that the K-9 unit could be more diverse. The chief said there are no plans to change his unit, stating out of the 129 K-9 deployments of 2021, only 12 resulted in a suspect getting bit. Now he's bragging about that stat, okay? Oh, we, we, we only had 12 people that got mauled. That's all. Understand, that's an injury. That is a penalty without due process. These individuals are innocent until proven guilty. Why are we putting dogs on them to attack them? Why are we doing that? This is a bad policy. 
I'm not concerned about the issue that the person may have. They may deserve to go to a court. They may deserve to see a judge. By putting a dog on them, they could go see their maker. This is not right. Policy is bad. Um, let me give you some background to this. Uh, the African-American chief maintains uh, that they are actually releasing the footage in an effort to be transparent about how Bradley lost an eye during his apprehension. Scott noted the community has been and uh, has seen an uptick in police presence because of the recent rise of criminal activity in Sweetwater Square apartments. What prompted this whole thing? Millman tells Bradley to keep his hands up in plain sight. Okay. Uh, the cop also saw a bag of cannabis. Whoa, not cannabis. He saw a bag of cannabis on the center console and could smell marijuana in the car. Recreational adult use of cannabis is illegal in the state of Florida. All right. Senator Turner, thoughts on this? I mean, and cannabis usually makes people mellow, Doc. So yeah. the man technically, I'm just, you know, watching that video when, when the officer said, you acted nervous, so step out of the car. Well, first of all, he's a black man in America being stopped. So, oops, he might be just a little nervous. He knew he had the cannabis, so he's acting nervous. That was no reason to pull him out of the car. That's number one. Number two, to tell him put his hands up when you didn't put the dog on him. What sense does that make? He couldn't put his hands up. He couldn't comply because the officer had already put the dog on him. Lastly, they need new policies and protocols. Instead of bragging and justifying what happened, they need new policies and protocols. And I hope they that, that a, a lawsuit needs to ensue here. Yeah. And, you know, initially them. they said, oh, yeah, he's a convicted felon. The man was convicted 12 years ago. He served his time. And even if he was, doesn't that matter. nothing to do nothing with to do. that particular moment. They That's just right. it's, it's a callous indifference, Doc, to the people that they're supposed to be protecting and serving. It's a callous indifference to their to the lives of those people in that community. It seems as if some people shed their humanity when they put on their blue uniform. I used to say that now I believe they put on that blue uniform because they had no humanity to begin with. That's what I'm starting to believe now. People are seeking these opportunities and getting away with literal murder and mayhem. Uh, Senator, always good to have you on the program. Tell people they can follow you. Check out your great work. Great to be with you, too, Doc. Uh, Nina Turner on Twitter, Nina Turner, Ohio on the gram, Nina Turner, Ohio on on uh, on uh, Facebook and uh, looking forward to uh, Unbossed. Yes. Coming, near, coming to you on October the 17th and Twitch, Love too. It. I'm on the Twitch. That's right. That's right. Love it. All right. Until next time, my dear sister.